Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and Andre Salveson of the Full Court Press. 501, your start time here on a Tuesday afternoon. A terrific Tuesday nonetheless. Rain and snow was predicted. It ends up being partly cloudy and sunny skies. Grateful to have that spring weather on its way, and it presents March to you. If Utah State's tourney run didn't bring you enough March feeling, the weather is coming back. So that's great. You know what else? What? The start of spring football. Oh, shoot. Yeah, that's right. It starts today. Spring practices started today. Uh, I was not able to make it into attendance. I hopefully will be able to make it. No, I won't be at tomorrow's practice. But they should be going for about another 30 minutes if you want to get up there. It's open to the public. Wednesday, Friday or not, but Saturday will be. Fair enough. 10.45 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, speaking of spring football, University of Cincinnati they have already called off their spring game, which is not until April 10th. Oh, wow. Because of all this coronavirus fear. So it sounds like the state of Ohio is the one panicking the worst. Is that correct? Seems like, yes. The state of Ohio seems to be going uber, uber cautious through all of this. Where it's the, the, the worst cases are in Seattle. California and New York, Ohio seems to be going the most drastic in their response. Uh, spring football practices will still happen at Cincinnati, um, but uh, they they're, they're limiting group activities until like through May first, which is probably commencement. Uh, the basketball team will still participate in the AAC tournament which will be in Fort Worth. But uh, I, I don't know. It seems like a bit much. I mean, it's it's a month away. You're canceling it already. I don't know. It just seems a little drastic. Uh, Yeah, it, it's... I mean, but I understand. You're protecting the people. You are. You're protecting the people. No. You're, you're saying you're doing something. No, you're protecting the people. Okay. I mean, it's a month away. You're not protecting anybody. Nothing has happened. Yeah, but it's a month away. So you're you're saying you're doing something to say that you can you've done something for yeah. those four confirmed I'm not, cases. I'm not in following you, Ohio. Yeah, dude. But four, if it's if it gets worse, a lot though. Four turns into a hundred, which turns into a thousand. Sure, and if it if it does, then why not? You know, a week before. So you know what? It's we got to be careful. People stay away. It's a month away. It just seems really early to be making that decision. Uh, and yeah, I just I, I wonder how much it's going to affect the NCAA tournament games. Like I do, it will because we already if, know it's going to again, affect the first Utah, four. Yeah, exactly. And if Utah State does end up in Cleveland, which by the way there is that it's chance, a possibility, they are. I mean, there's a couple brackets to have them as a Midwest region team. There's a chance that they could be in Cleveland. If they are, it's going to affect it a lot because I would highly think that Cleveland will not have spectators at its game. I mean, well, I guess. Uh, 
NCAA basketball fans at its game, I guess is the best way to put that. It's crazy. Yeah, it it is a thing. I don't mean to... It may sound like I'm totally minimizing this, and it it is. People are getting sick, and there have been people who have died from this. It is... There's serious implications here. But I think a lot of this is being motivated by people who think that they have to say they're doing something so people won't accuse them of not doing something. I think canceling a spring football event a month away just seems a little much. But I think it is absolutely going to be affecting, and I think things do need to happen to slow the spread of this disease, Mm -hmm. and large groups of people gathering together doesn't do that. So the Big West, they've said, fans, you can't come. The women's games are going to be at Long Beach State. A lot of the men's games are going to be at the Honda Center. Um, they're in Southern California and Orange County, and they're saying, no, we'll just play the games, only credentialed people, essential personnel, that's it. The MAC, same thing. Their games are being played in Ohio, where the state of Ohio is really going crazy vigilant on not allowing people to come close to each other to stop the spread of the disease. Um, in in a week, we're going to have NCAA basketball really going. Conference tournament games are going this week. The Ivy League has already said we're not going to even play our tournament, which I think is a huge disservice yeah, to the players that, that one bothers and me. the schools. You can still play the games, just do it in an empty arena. The NBA has talked about maybe doing that. They've got some contingency plans they've discussed. But... Um, so for Utah State, yeah, there's questions about uh, where they're going to go still. We won't know until Sunday, which we you can hear it live here on the fan when that announcement gets made. But um, will Aggie fans even be able to, to go watch them in person? Hey, Even if it is a regionally close, to easy-to-travel-to destination, they may not, you may not be able to. Is there any word on the Pac-12? Because they're in Las Vegas. They're staying at the MGM, by the way. Uh, is there any word on what's the situation or what's As far as I have heard, the Pac-12 is still holding their tournament at the T-Mobile Arena. As normal and as, okay. With spectators allowed to be there, is that correct? As far as I've seen. Okay. That's, wow. All right. Makes sense. All right. It's time to talk some Utah State basketball. Uh, and before we talk Utah State, I mean, I, I just, I have to, Eric. I have to, before we start talking about Utah State basketball, do this. Hold on. Oh, come on. I'm holding. Shut up. You at least have some music for me to listen to while I hold? No. Do, 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 do. Oh, my gosh, dude. I hate computers. Well, okay, never mind. Oh. See, I... This thing's stupid. Nothing ever works in this building. All right, never mind. I was going to play Sam Merrill's game-winning three because I love I love it so much. Just the guts it is to shoot that ball. Uh, all right. Uh, Utah State uh, was a bubble team, to say the least. A very, very bubble team uh, yeah, going they- into the NCAA or going into the Mountain West Conference Tournament. Yeah, they'd won 9 of 10. They're coming to the last game of the regular season at New Mexico. Pretty much everywhere you looked, Utah State was, should be in. Maybe have a little bit of work to do, but should be in. 
Then they lose it in New Mexico. And it's like, mm. yeah, nope. And, uh, I think you lost your chance there. Do you know what the best part about that was? Is, uh, is when uh, I think Sam was talking about it. He's like, I don't want to go play in the NIT. Uh, and that, and that, that's what he kind of kept saying. And then uh, Coach Smith comes out and says, nah, dude, we want to play in the NIT. You would have been all right. We were, we were going to make the tournament. I don't think you're going to make the tournament, bud. If they lose to if they lose to San Diego State, I don't think they're in. That's crazy. Yeah, I I think that the the NCAA selection committee would have easily looked at several bad losses on the road and said, "Like you haven't illustrated that you can be a good team away from home." And you did some nice things in the pre-conference preseason, but. Just not a strong enough resume. Which I think you can make a strong case that Utah State did do enough, but the selection committee would have been more than happy to add an additional team from the Big Ten, an additional team from the Pac-12, rather than give two teams to the Mountain West. So they absolutely needed to get to the championship game and I felt, and we said this on the air, I felt like Utah State needed to play San Diego State to the wire, needed to play tough um, to still be considered. If they got blown out, no. But I still felt like Utah State could make it, if they made it to the championship game and played tough, they could still be considered. Well, they removed all doubt. They've punched their ticket. Sam Merrill's absolutely a big part of that. Sports Illustrated has a nice article put together by Kevin Sweeney that came out yesterday about their run and what they were able to do about the team, how it's built, and how, as the headline states, Utah State has the goods to make noise in March. That it could be a potential Cinderella team. It's got a lot of experience coming back from a team that went to the NCAA tournament a year ago. It's got the type of players that are built to be able to make runs in the tournament, notably Sam Merrill, but also defensive-minded Nimi Keta, uh, Diogo Brito, Justin Bean, just really active guys who make things happen and have a great defensive presence on the court, and defense travels. It goes with you. You may not find your offense always at the at the right time. But if you can play stout defense, you'll be in every game that you play in. Here's my problem with Utah State. This is my bit, not my problem, excuse me. My worry with Utah State, Abel's got a really bad back. He's not in great health. Sean Bear still landed hard. He was wrapped up in a cast and a sling uh, after after his injury. He came back from the locker room and, and had that you know cast on his arm and or his wrist or whatever it was, and he had a sling and uh, we asked Coach Hansen yesterday about the injury or what the status was. He wasn't sure. He didn't know. And so we're, we're still kind of left in the dark on that on and what exactly if Barristow is going to be available. Um, though I, but seeing the way he was wrapped up, it would tell me no. But that's just me speculating. Pure speculation. Nothing of, no, nothing of official note there. With that, they lose a lot of depth. Because really, Barristow came along extremely well here in this, in this Mount West Conference tournament. Um, and now, and then you had to leave Abel uh, in there to play a significant portion of the second half, and he did good, but you need someone to be able to back him up, and I thought Barristow was that guy, and, and, and now, I mean, they're, they're a little bit different than last year, and I feel like they're a little bit more deep, 
but you're losing that depth as injuries pile up. Right, and I think that's a real concern is who the, the ball handling. Uh, I think Utah State has depth at certain positions. They'll still be okay, but when it comes to initiating the offense and, and ball handling, it just puts it all on Sam. I think Diogo can do some of that. I, I think that he has some of those abilities, but that's not really his strong suit, I don't believe. So um, Abel Porter, Sean Barstow, yeah, that, that hurts not having them available if that's going to be the case. Now, if having a full week off, maybe even a little bit more than a week, for these guys to rest and recuperate is huge, massive. Because they're not coming into uh, a, a brutal tournament that they just got out of and then have to travel and then have to prepare and go to some other venue in some other state to take on a, which will probably be a really good team from somewhere else in the country. So they've got extra time to rest and to heal up. But depending on the extent of their injuries, how serious they really are, we still don't know. Like how many minutes Abel will be able to give the uh, the, the Haggies or even if uh, Bearstow will be able to give any minutes for the Aggies. So I think it puts a lot more on Brock. Is he going to handle some of the ball handling? Sam is going to have to do more. So here's Diogo is going to have to initiate I don't, offense. I don't trust Brock. I, he's not a ball handler. It scares me to death when he has the ball. He's up best court. when he's catch In and fact, shoot. Bean's better. I actually trust Bean more than I trust Brock with the ball. In fact, I think there was a, a stretch or a possession where they were being pressed by San Diego State or by New Mexico. It might have been, and Bean dribbled through like a maze of 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 players of defenders. And got across, I got across half court somehow, and was able to find Brito. It was really impressive. But I don't trust Miller with the ball. Um, I thought Bearstow, you know, he did play well, but I thought that press really got to him. Um, kind of maybe took him off guard. He got uncomfortable, made some bad decisions, made some true freshman mistakes. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I mean, it's Brito, it's Abel, it's Bean, it's Merrill, uh, and that's about it. That can bring the ball to the court in the middle of a press. And and by the way, if you're if you're an NCAA tournament team that matches up with Utah State, you take that New Mexico film and try to copy it to a blueprint. Because I thought I thought New Mexico did a really good job for the most part. You know, but you think about this Aggie team that ranked 17th in the preseason AP poll, Eric. Uh, they were this mid-major come out of the you know come out to the party team, and everybody was thinking, oh, this is the squad that's going to do it, that's going to get to an Elite Eight. Uh, and even make a push in that game and maybe, you know, try to get to a Final Four. Um, but then, I mean, things kind of went haywire. You had Ketta's injury. Uh, they were at full, they were without full strength for the first 10, 10 games without him. Um, they did get wins over LSU and Florida, but they had losses to BYU and St. Mary's, who duked it out in the Western Coast Conference semifinal last night. Um, St. Mary's came away with that win, and then they had that bad, ugly stretch arc where they lost to UNLV, Air Force, and San Diego State, and then at the end they lose to New Mexico for good measure. And they lost a game on the road at Boise yeah, State. Boy, that's right, that, the 18-point They had lead. no business losing. So with that, Eric, um, the Aggies then turn around, and I think everyone was kind of just thinking, you know what, we're going to the NIT. We're, we're a disappointing basketball team who was in the preseason top 25, don't make it, and then don't make the tournament. Well, we come along now, and guess what? Now the Aggies are a bounce back. Big win over New Mexico, uh, a gritty win over in Wyoming versus a good, scrappy Wyoming basketball team, to be honest with you. And then, of course, San Diego State. And now they're in the in, in the big dance. How much momentum do they lose having this full week off? 
Um, I'm not overly concerned about that. Uh, there is an element that you have to be concerned about it of rust. Because if their last game was Saturday afternoon and they don't play until the Friday game, yeah. it's almost a full two weeks well, of no organized basketball. By the way, San Diego State's actually doing a scrimmage with their alumni. They're taking alumni basketball players that they've had in the past, and they're going to do a scrimmage this week, which is pretty cool. Not a bad idea. Yeah, no, not a bad idea. I don't think Kawhi Leonard will be able to make it, but... Utah State will still practice. They have enough players that they can practice against each other, and they, they, from what we understand of this coaching staff, they have well-organized practices, and they push their guys, and they throw a lot of information at them. But I think that they'll take the time to rest and heal... Uh, but they may start their game a little bit rusty. I wouldn't be surprised if shooting percentages are low to start the game next week because of the time off, the time between games. But um, I, I would rather have a healthy, healed Utah State men's basketball team than one that has uh, has to turn around and play another game in a short amount of time. That's a good point. Because of the momentum that may benefit them. I'd rather have a healthier team that yeah. eventually will figure it out and make the adjustments and be more competitive. That's a great point you bring up. Like Abel's beat up, we know that. Berstow is not healthy. We don't know the severity of the injury though. Uh Sam Merrill got the crap kicked out of in three days. Got beat up a lot in three days. He needs to rest. I mean Keta needs to rest. Like this team needs that rest. And so with that they do get a full, as you said, week off. Now we talked to Coach Hansen last night Asked him about what uh, what uh, the schedule will be like this week. He just simply said that they're still talking about it, that they weren't sure on what they're going to do. They would have a couple of days off and then maybe go through some things that they want to work on just on themselves. And then uh, and then they'll get ready after. I mean, because you can't prepare for an opponent because you have no idea what you're yeah, preparing for. don't know. So you just go through things that you work on with yourselves, things you want to see better, and then get ready for Sunday selection. So and after that, you just you go right at it. Uh, but Utah State does have... The 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 um, the makings, if you want to put it that way, of a team that could be a Cinderella. They're they're not going to have a, a great seed. They're probably a ten at best. No way, they're an eight or nine. No. Yeah, absolutely. I think they're absolutely probably eight or a nine. 10, you have the resume you have, and beat San Diego State for the championship. You're not a ten seed. Bracket matrix. Uh, Utah State probably at an eleven. Well, good for, as of now. Good for bracket matrix. Happy for them. Uh, but look, this is a team that okay, regardless whether they're an eight or a nine or a eleven or a twelve, they're still going to be the lower seeded team in whomever they face in the first round. Joel has them as a ten seed versus West Virginia. Oh, please no. Uh, guys at SI have them projected as an 11 seed. Uh, but the, if you have somebody, and we've seen this many different cases in the NCAA tournament, if you have somebody who can create their own shot and can get to, and get to the rim, those teams can get hot and can be have uh, produce upsets. Teams that have like really good big men, like a dominant big man can be good in the right system, but if you have a guard small forward who can create and can shoot and get to the rim, those are teams that more often than not 
we see them have a Cinderella situation. Utah State Aggies are built that way. Sam Merrill is that way. He's got a great supporting cast of other guys that can step up. We thought that could happen last year against Washington. Their great defense stifled Sam Merrill, and he was not able to get going. This team has learned a few things from that, and a big part of that team from a year ago is at it again this year with uh, maybe a little bit better knowledge of what's going to be facing them when they actually do play in the NCAA tournament again. According to Ken Palm, the Aggies uh, ranked ninth in country, ninth in the country in assists per field goal, uh, which is actually one of the best. But the biggest thing is, is they have the one guy they can go to to get the bucket that they need. Like, look, Sam Merrill is brimming with confidence right now, Eric. Like brimming, his tournament run was just unbelievable, unbelievable. And when you have a guy like that who's willing to take a shot like that in games like that. It's easy to have confidence that you can go out and beat anybody. And then on the defensive side, you have Justin Bean, Namiz Keta, um, and, and of course, Diogo Brito. In fact, uh, according to this article, uh, the Aggies held a San Diego State offense, ranked 10th nationally, by the way, in Ken Palm's adjusted offensive efficiency to a season-worst 0.92 points per possession. In the past five seasons, as we already mentioned, there have been five mid-major teams not named Gonzaga to rank top 50 nationally, both offensively and defensively efficiency. Of those five, four won at least one game in the big dance, and on all five were seven seeds or better. The Aggies currently rank 49th on offense and 46th in defense. And with that experienced group, Eric, I feel like they can be able to hold to those numbers against at least a first-round opponent. At least. Right, they've got experience, they play good defense, they share the ball, and they've got a shot maker. What type of team in the Mount West Conference would give the Aggies trouble in the NCAA tournament? Does that make sense? So what type of style of basketball team would give the Aggies trouble in in, in the national, in the big dance? I'm sorry, not in the Mount West Conference, in, in, in the big dance from our conference. If there was a team in the NCAA tournament that was like a team in the Mountain West? Mount West Conference, yeah. Who would that team be that would give us the most problems? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Um, well, yeah, I'd have to look at the teams that gave the Aggies trouble this year. Uh, UNLV, shot-making, athletic, attacking the rim. San Diego State, great defense. Also have guys that can shoot from beyond the arc. Um. And even New Mexico, a team that everybody can shoot. So New you, Mexico gives uh, me the, I think yeah. that uh, Nimi pr- provides that protection down low, but if you got a bunch of guys that are going to draw out, draw him out, and you got a bunch of guys that are put up three-point shots, everybody's going to have to be out on the perimeter defending, and that, that could be a problem. Uh, no, I'd absolutely agree. And, <laughs> I can ask you a question. I'm still trying to figure this out. And you can text into our show, by the way, at 435-339-0321. I really want to know this, Eric. How did we match up with San Diego State so well, but not like New Mexico? Or Wyoming. Well, Wyoming was just on a different level. It was a play free. I mean, you threw the numbers out the window and you just let it go. I mean, that was just a whole different, that's a whole different entity of itself. But like we even in the regular season, I felt like we matched up better with San Diego State than New Mexico. 
How? Or I mean, we've we matched up better with with Singer State than UNLV, man. Yeah, I think that's true. But uh, how? Like what? Why? Like how do we do that? What is it? I mean, they got Mal- Malachi Flynn. They've got this Mitchell kid. They've got Wetzel underneath. They've got uh, Fegan, who got robbed defensive player of the year by his own teammate. Uh, they're loaded. They have a good bench. I don't know, like, how we matched up with them so well. But UNLV, I just was, please, dear, no. Don't give me UNLV in the Mountain West Conference Championship. I just didn't get it. I don't know if you had an answer for that, but it, it, I, I was trying to figure it out, and I still can't. Yeah, I don't know that I do either. Uh, I think that if I, I think Sam Merrill and Malachi Flynn, those are the, the real points of attack for both teams, and so I think that is a big part of it. They matched up head to head. I think in some of the other teams that we talked about, they don't have somebody like Sam Merrill on their team, but they have strength on the other positions, and so they're probably a little bit stronger where Utah State is weaker, if that makes sense. Okay, and so that yeah, may does. be part of it. it makes but sense. it's a good question, fair question. I, I just, but this is a Utah State team that has rediscovered their defensive efficiency over the last month, month and a half. I feel like they're playing together better as a team. Uh, I think the New Mexico game at Albuquerque was a little bit of a fluke, but. Um, I, I think that where they are, I mean, just see where they are now over the last week, where they are in the, their, their mental space, they're not going to go down easy. They want to fight. They want to keep playing hard. Um, and the, even the, the role players, the fringe players, are stepping up their game. Alfonso Anderson playing some of his best oh, basketball yeah. <laughs> re- just now with the best he time. Yeah. He was kind of a forgotten player for a while there. Yeah. He was big in the early part of the season. He kind of got forgotten on the bench. He has come to life again. I, I thought he had a critical stretch there against San Diego State. If, if they can continue to get that production out of him, man, that's great production off the bench, especially if uh, if Nimi goes out for any stretch of time. Yeah, I thought Alfonso has just been absolutely terrific in that tournament, and he was so big. Of course, in the championship game, he had the eight points, the two threes, one to cut it to one. Uh, no, sorry, one to cut it to three, and the other one to cut it to one. And then had the two free throws as well. I, I thought Alfonso was so good. And if we can get that Alfonso in the NCAA tournament, it's going to be what the same impact Justin Bean had on last year. I thought Justin Bean in the NCAA tournament was really good uh, when Amish was struggling. When Sam was struggling, I thought Justin Bean came in and filled the void really well. And I think that Alfonso can be that same guy. Yeah, I think that um, those, those X-Factor guys have to play huge minutes. Even if it's just a few minutes when they're on the court, they have to be impactful. You're not just giving a guy a, a break. You have to impact the game when you're on the court. Uh, even if it's just a hustle play that doesn't show up in, a, in a, an official box score, those are, those are really, really critical plays. Those are winning plays, as the coaches like to say. Uh, do you... Do you keep that starting lineup of Brito being in the starting lineup and coming with Brock coming off the bench? I like stick it. Stick with that, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, I think it's another ball handler. I think it has a better defender. And I think it also has a potential, like, when he comes in, uh, here's a deadly three-point shooter. Well, he has the potential of being a deadly three-point shooter. And so teams have to honor him. And I think that he comes in onto the court without pressure, 
of uh, having to start, and I think it maybe allows him to come in maybe a little more prepared to see how the game is going and how he can insert himself into it. And then if Abel's not able to go, hopefully, I, I mean, worst case scenario, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping he can go and start. If he doesn't, who do you put in his position? To well, then I think you do start uh, just or uh, excuse me, Brock Miller. Brock Miller. So to stand on point, that, then I think you have Sam at the point and Diogo beside him, and then you have uh, Brock and Justin as your <sighs> forwards. That's just going to shorten that bench so much, won't it? it? Will because you won't have Barristow, you won't have Abel. I mean, and, and if you have Diogo and Miller already starting, it's it's going to put a lot of tense pressure on that on that bench to come in and perform well. And you might even see Dorius a little bit. And I don't know if Dorius didn't see any time in the Mount West Conference Tournament, none. And he might see a few minutes if that's the, if that's the case. So, Because Alfonso will have to come in early as well. So, All right, uh, coming back, we'll get into more of Utah State basketball. A lot to get through is the Aggies are not sweating it out. They are in the big dance. But where? And how much did uh, how much will games this weekend affect where the Aggies can move up and down. And then, by the way, we still got our stat that blur mind and our player of the week. And by the way, just a quick reminder, if you're all wanting to hear the selection show, great news. You can hear it on the here on this very station, 106 NFM, 1390 AM, the fan, via in courtesy of Westwood One. We'll have the whole entire selection show. You'll hear where the Utah State Aggies are going and what seed they are. And don't forget, we'll have our bracket. It's coming back. The What did we call it last year, by the way? Uh, bracket challenge. Bracket challenge. We'll be coming back and uh, we'll have some great prizes. Our awesome sponsors and our sales team have done an incredible job. Can't wait to get that going again. And I'm going to perform better than I did last year. I promise. I'm going to win this dang thing within the company. Sure you will. We're not going to have any Cinderella's. Sure you will. Nothing of those. I'm not going to hold my breath. I've got Yale winning it all. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Full Court Press. This is for Gabby. Yeah, this is for Gabby. Gabby, I mean, she's not even listening. She's taking a nap right now, so... She, uh, she's already passed out in bed. But yeah, Gabby, this is for you. Uh, Eric, we need a... Oh, you know, we still need to do our five best this weekend. I don't know what to do. Should we do... We uh, didn't do that last week. No, we didn't. You were out of town. We'll have to put one together. Because we won't have a show next week, so you do five best upsets in the NCAA tournament. Because we won't have a show the next two Fridays. Because of the uh, Westwood one covering the NCAA five tournament. Five best USU... Performances in the NCAA tournament? No, let's not do that because there hasn't been a lot of good ones. So no, because <laughs> there's only one. There's only <laughs> it really one. counts. Yep, there's only one. So no, we don't have enough. The, f- to do the five best losses in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't. That's so mean. <laughs> five biggest chokes in the NCAA tournament from the Aggies, player-wise. JC Carroll would be on that list, by the way. Something that Sam Merrill hasn't done. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, hey, hey, we got a note from Captain Craig. Yes. Oh, hold on. Hold on. No, hold on. Nope. I'm just going to read it. No, Dearest no, no, mother. no, 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 no. Uh, come on. No, come on. No. Eric. No. Hold on. Hold on. I'm almost there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's not what you think. Let me, re- let me, let me read it. Okay. Will you do it in the accent, though? Sure. You will? 
Dearest mother. No accent. An illness is rapidly spreading through the land. Oh. No. And we are powerless to stop it. Yet to be contained or even slowed, it is called the madness of March. Our Aggie people are especially affected. Our Ute brothers to the south will likely be safe. You butchered this. Craig. Okay, my turn. No. It has been said. No, it has not been said. It has been spoken. It has not been spoken appropriately. Dearest mother, an illness that is rapidly spreading through the land and we are powerless to stop it. Yet, to be contained or even slowed, it is called the madness of March. Our Aggie people are especially affected. Our huge brothers to the south will likely be safe. With love, Craig F. Smith. That was better. That's highly debatable. If you're going to do it, do it right. That's all I'm asking you to do, Eric. Uh, we're just discussing a really nice article on Sports Illustrated highlighting Utah State as a potential Cinderella team to watch out for. Make a very good case. It's written by Kevin Sweeney. Definitely worth checking out. You do not need to go through a paywall to read that one, which is always nice. <laughs> 9315 just texted to us a few minutes ago. I want to get out this thought, Eric. He says, if you looked at Utah State, the teams they played, they were on a higher level or had a really high winning streak. We did better against so kind of like the Utah Jazz, right? The better they are, the better they play. The lower they are, the lower they play. Sometimes. Do you agree with this about the Utah State Aggies? That they play to their opponent's level? Not always. No. It happens in sports. I get that. It does. But I don't think that's always was, always was the case for USU. Fair enough. That's fair enough. I I, I can get with that. Because UNLV was was turning a corner. They were getting better. And Utah State just shot the ball horribly. Yeah. Maybe it was the basketball's fault. And maybe have something to do with it. But <laughs> but then they, they, they... How do you explain Air Force? Um they were playing really good that game. Utah State didn't. Uh, but San Diego State was a good team. First time they faced them, and the uh, Aggies couldn't hang with them, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. All right, got to take a break. Coming back, it's time to talk some Utah Jazz basketball. They fall to the Toronto Raptors, but the story after the game was Rudy Gobert. He gets ejected, and then he had a few words for referees. Let's just say... He took Batman's theme, his motto, and ran with it. You're going to like this. Batman's theme? Yes. Okay. Yes. I am Batman. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Full Court Press, Eric France and RJ Salveson are 106 on FM 1390 AM and a fan. If Hi, RJ. Hi, Eric. You doing well? I'm okay. If Sunshine you, uh, out there today. Blue skies. Thank you, weatherman. If you, you can uh, see spring. Shut up. Spring football started today. 
good. We got a lot of good on, things we, going we gotta on. Got to work on that music. Uh, that's actually a good song, but I just didn't like how it cut off. Uh, Eric, uh, Utah Jazz fall one hundred one ninety two to the Toronto Raptors last night at home. Uh, they snapped their uh, winning streak in the process, uh, thanks to uh, Serge Ibaka and Pascal Siakam, who each scored twenty seven apiece. Uh, and uh, got their fourth straight victory on the night. Kyle Lowry had a 21 and 7 assist, and they played without Marcus Hall, Fred Van Fleet, and Norman Powell, and were on the second end of a back to back, which has just been a brutal thing for the Utah Jazz, who can't seem to beat teams going through that certain situation. But we also had a situation where Rudy Gobert was ejected uh, after a small tangle up, and, uh, and then uh, after taking a uh, it's a cheap shot, if you will, to the back. I mean, you were there, Eric. I mean, did you see what happened? We didn't see it. I didn't catch it when it happened in real time. It's uh, less than a minute to go, and the, the the teams are running down the court from the uh, Toronto side to the Jazz side. And No, excuse me. It's the other way around, from the Jazz side to the Toronto side. And... Uh, I. All of a sudden, we see a, a break in the action, and I see Mike Connolly just run like a to a like a man on fire over to Rudy Gobert. I'm like, oh, I, I missed something here. And then the whistle because the fans were going nuts. It was a great atmosphere in the arena. Um, but then it, it, then they have to review things. We're like, what is going on? And then they show it on the screen. And we're like, oh yeah, that guy was taking cheap shots at Rudy. And then they announced that both players were ejected. Everybody started losing their minds. Like, why was Rudy ejected? Yes, when they got down to the court, Rudy, because the guy, like, OG got him twice. And Rudy's just, like, pushing him away. But I think, I don't know what was going on. The refs did not like Rudy Gobert last night. They made life very difficult for him. I'm not one to blame things on refs. I rarely try to do that. But it, it, whatever was going on took Rudy out of his game last night. And then eventually gets ejected, and it seemed really ticky-tack. And here's Rudy Gobert on that ejection and OG. These are pretty strong words. Um, I mean, try to hit him in the face. You know, and, uh, the guy that's getting paid to protect as a player else didn't do his job. So, you know, I just uh, was a little uh, altercation. And... Uh, both got ejected when I didn't do any I didn't do anything back pretty much, you know. Which I don't understand. But I don't think it makes sense to me. But next time I do justice myself. So so the official get get ejected for a reason. That's if you didn't hear what he said, he said the guy that's getting paid to protect us didn't do his job. Next time I'll do justice myself. I didn't do anything wrong. The ref, and the ref still ejected me, and then I—that's when—that's when when he says, "Next time I'll do justice myself." For the so the ref will have a reason to eject me. He—he was—he was was fired up. Yikes! He was fired up. That fourth quarter, there was a stretch uh, of just some back-to-back fouls that happened against him that were just oh, and he was having a hard time himself. They were attacking him. He had some opportunities to to get the ball in the hoop, and they came right at him and blocked the ball or took it away. There was contact. It didn't get called. Uh, he put his hand down to try to knock a, a, a dribble loose, and they called him for a reach. It, but it wasn't consistently called the same way on the other side. It was really frustrating for him. But that game last night, Kyle Lowry, 
man, you got to give him some credit for the shots he was making in that fourth quarter, beating the shot clock on a deep three, falling yeah. away. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you can't do anything against that. Yeah. But I thought the Jazz made some good adjustments early in the game. Toronto was getting position, every position they wanted low under the basket, and which led to easy putbacks or easy offensive boards and, and then putbacks after that. The Jazz made some adjustments there and didn't allow them to get so deep. The second unit came in and played great, which helped get the Jazz back into the game. But it was a night when Donovan Mitchell had a bad game. Boyan Bogdanovich had a bad game. Rudy Gobert had a bad game. Any one of those guys have a normal game, and the Jazz win. So I'm not overly concerned that this Jazz team is off. I think there are some things they're struggling with, like how can you allow a Toronto team who is also depleted to have so many more rebounds than you do? That was a really frustrating part of the game last night. It's just how many rebounds Toronto got, especially on the offensive end. 39 offensive rebounds. Ooh. Excuse me, 39 defensive rebounds. Uh, they had 14 offensive rebounds to Utah's Still. six. Still. How many of those resulted in points, by the way? Second chance points. 53 to 34 was a rebounding disparity. Yeah, that's going to hurt. That was huge. Uh, as How many were putbacks? Uh, I, I, I don't have that in front of me. But the other thing, too, that was frustrating is the Jazz were able to create turnovers, but they couldn't take advantage of them. Mm-hmm. They'd run down to the court, and then they'd either get blocked from behind or they'd pull up and then have to back it out and reset into their set, and then nothing came of it. So they, they've got to figure out how to finish strong on transitions. That's That was lacking last night as well. Joe Ingles finishes with 20 points and 6 assists for the Jazz. Royce O'Neal, 15 and 7 rebounds. Mike Conley, 13 points and 7 assists uh, for the Utah Jazz, who had, uh, had won 5 straight, but now uh, have their first loss in those 5, and they travel to Oklahoma City for a 6 p.m. Uh, start versus the Thunder at Oklahoma City. That will, come, that will cut into our show just slightly, but it will cut a little bit into our show. And then they get New Orleans at home, Memphis at home, Lakers at home on a Friday, Saturday, Monday stretch before they head back and face the Lakers in L.A. at the Staples Center, 8 p.m. That's on ESPN. And the Thunder are one of the hottest teams in the NBA yes, right now. Yes, they are. playing with Dude, if, if who's their, uh, what's their coach's name? Billy Donovan, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't win Coach of the Year or at least Coach in the Western Conference, I'm going to be stunned. That guy has done tremendous work yeah. with what he's had. How many people wrote off Oklahoma City after uh, me, I'll Westbrook my hand right and now. Paul George yeah. left? Yeah, me. I, I'm, I'll be the first one to tell you right now. I thought that thing was just done. Uh, by the way, just a reminder, Utah Jazz have had two games now removed off of national television, both of them in April, and both of them are a little bit questionable. Their game against the Clippers has been removed for the Pelicans and Warriors for an 8 o'clock start on TNT. And then the Utah Jazz game will get moved to AT&T. Uh, and then the Utah Jazz game on ESPN versus, at the time, was Portland. No, sorry, not Portland. Was Denver has been moved. And they have now put in place of that, Eric. You ready? Pelicans and Lakers. Of course. So Pelicans and Lakers will be on uh, on uh, TNT or excuse me, on ESPN. So that will, that will take out the Sunday-Denver matchup of Utah at 4 p.m. That will also be on AT&T as well. 
All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back, it's the stat that blew our mind. It's our player of the week, and it's all coming up here on the Full Court Press as we mark it up for a Tuesday evening. 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. It's the Full Court Press, weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Full Court Press, final couple of minutes. We wrap up our show and then get you ready for a Wednesday show. Should be a lot going on. Movie quiz. Uh, Utah Jazz getting ready for the Oklahoma City Thunder in a big Western Conference matchup. And, uh, well, conference tournaments officially really do begin on Thursday uh, on Thursday evening. So a lot going on. Uh, coming up this weekend, again, reminder, Selection Sunday will be on this very station starring uh, Jason Horowitz in the studio who does a great job via Westwood One. It's, it's really good stuff. I'm telling you right now. You are going to love Sunday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday at Sunday Action. You are going to absolutely drool over it. It's going to be a lot of fun, and, and I hope you guys enjoy it as much as we will. Uh, bringing it to Eric my, and myself, and I believe AJ and I will also join in a couple of times just throughout the day to give you updates, give us our thoughts, opinions, kind of break down a couple of games, recap the day that's gone on so far with highlights included. It's all going to be coming for you here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The fan. Eric, what is your stat that blew your mind? Stat that blew my mind. Uh, so, this I'm happy to share this. The Rockets are in the middle of a four-game losing streak. I love that. They lost to the New York Knicks. They lost to the Clippers. They lost to the Hornets and the Magic. According to ESPN's BPI, this Basketball Power Index, there was only a 0.5% chance the Rockets would go 0-4 in that stretch. Oh. And they did. So it makes me wonder if teams are trying to figure out how to defend the Rockets and how much longer they will continue their slide. Because the, the Jazz have replaced them in the home, home court, the number four position. Oklahoma City has moved ahead of Houston now. Could the Rockets continue their slide? I don't know. Anyway, I just thought that was crazy. Just a 0.5% chance they would go 0-4 in that stretch. Three uh, of those team, three of those four teams are really bad teams. Mm. Can I have a part two? Yeah, go ahead. I want to give a shout-out to the Oregon sports. Men's basketball, 17-0 at home. Oof. Women's basketball, 15-0 at home. Oregon football, 7-0 at home. Only one other time in the last 20 years has a team been perfect at home, and that was University of Texas in 2002 and 2003. All right, what's your stat? I'll be quick here. The Cavaliers had four players on March 8th with a double-double on that night. The first time they done it since March 24th in 1990. One of those guys in that group in 1990 was Larry Nance. One of the guys in this group in 2020 was Larry Nance Jr. Ha! <laughs> Like father, like wow, son. We got cool. 20 seconds. My player of the week is going to be Sam Merrill without a doubt. What he did uh, in three days. Yeah, what I mean, what he did in three nights with three incredible shots night after night after night. Uh, I love the numbers that you, writ, you wrote down for me here the other night. 29 against New Mexico, 27 against Wyoming, 27 including the game winner against San Diego State. That will do for the full court press tonight. We'll see you tomorrow.